Well, this morning, because I've got, not got enough shit to deal with, I was awoken by a buzzing uh, next to my room, which is my dad's room, and outside. And when I looked outside, there was a massive swarm of black and yellow. There were bees all over my dad's window trying to get into the house. And that was dealt with the entire morning. It was loud. It was scary. And all we need to do, because I was, I was going to do this stupid thing and open the window and try and close it. But dad said, no, no, you'll let them in even more. They'll just go away if we leave them alone. And he's dealt with this a lot because we've had free bee infestations in our house <laughs> during our lifetime. Free. Count them. Three of them. Three of them. Three bees. Three bees. One wasp infestation, and I shit you not, and I shit you not, two hornet infestations we didn't oh, know about. Fuck! Oh god! And I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. Actually, I'll tell you something. Is, is this the hornet infestation much nicer than the bees? That's how much I. I that's how much bees are freaking overrated because the hornets no, with their, no, are, are nightmare no. creatures, but they gave us less trouble than the fucking bees. <laughs> The, look, I don't know what you did to piss the bees off, but bees are usually. Why, my fault? Why are you victim blaming? It, it's gonna me? be. It's gonna be your fault. Sorry, I, I, I held myself back. I held myself back when you said that you had a traumatic experience by falling on a bee's nest. I was gonna make the joke and say, was, "Well, you fell. You you well well you fell on their house, so therefore you deserved it." But I didn't because that would be victim blaming, and what you're doing right now is victim blaming. It's the bees' fault that this happened. <laughs> Look, bees are usually chill. They they usually don't hurt people. I don't know what how you have allied yourself with the wolves. They've just got a good PR here, but... campaign. That's all it is. Like they they they've they've like they've they've made a deal with Big Pharma, all right, and, and like they've just convinced everybody that they're wonderful creatures that produce the nice honey that their babies live in. But it's but it's wrong. It's wrong. They've done nothing but cause pain and misery for this family. <laughs> Look, I can't believe you're doing this classism against bees. Bees are workers, gentle laborers. They're doing a revolution, and you're working against them. That was it. This seems pretty. What were they doing? Were they working when they were just doing it? They were just like, you know what that was? You know what what happened this morning? It was a show of power. They're like the police, okay? Like if we showed any sign of force, they would have come and stung us to death. All right? They are not the police. To go you. away. You are Marie Antoinette, <laughs> and they're they're the French Revolution right outside your door. You've been stealing their honey for too long, and they're fucking mad about it. You're tearing they're this podcast apart, Lee! Anyway, fuck the bees. Listen, listen. Fuck the wasps. Wasps! Are, I will die on this hill! Wasps are important to our ecosystem. Without them, Bees we are more important to the ecosystem. Come on, here. No, no, fuck off. Like, you know, th th are they more important to my ecosystem? No. Like they don't produce honey, they produce annoyance and death. Like, <laughs> like all they do is just they freeload off our flowers and they'll sting you if you take their lovely honey. Whereas wasps, you know, they don't even have any of those presumptions. Okay. Also, wasps are allies because one time when we had a bee infestation, we got a bunch of wasps and they were very quiet, very polite, went in, killed all those bees, and we never heard from them again. They even came down and brought us a nice cup of tea and said, "How are you doing there?" No, you okay? We got the bees for you, and then they went back up in the world. Never saw them again. Wasps are allies. Are you a madman? Are you paranoid? Are you an entrepreneur? All of the above.
welcome to the Lot to Unpack Here podcast. I'm Lee, also known as Bewildered Bee, and with me I have Alice. Hi, I'm Alice Jelly Forbes. And Alex. Hi, I'm Alex. Wasp rights. Bee rights. No rights wasp for wasps. Wasp lives matter. No, they don't. They really don't. So we got a lot to get- that as a bee. Yeah, I would say that as a bee, yes. As a bee representative of the show. So we got a lot to get into today, because today's episode is on the topical theme of statues. Alex, you want to start us off? Okay, I'm going to start with uh, the controversial statue that started uh, a lot of discourse off of just the current statue discourse in the UK. The, uh, The memorial statue of Edward Colston and his desecration by Antifa. (laughs) Can't believe we've done this. Uh, Yeah, I know. What's next? Being accountable for your history of slavery? Yeah, fucking unbelievable. I I wanted to start by talking a little bit about who Edward Colston was, because I doubt, even after all of the media attention that uh, he's gotten, uh, many people outside of Bristol know who this guy was, but you know, outside of him being a slave trader. But in all honesty, there really isn't that much to tell outside of that. Like, he he really did make most of his life be about slaves, which is interesting considering that his history of being a slaver wasn't really common knowledge until 1920, it turns out. There there was a considerable campaign to downplay or outwhitewash that history and yeah, there's been a huge, you know, bigging up of his phil- philanthropic works, you know, being a charitable man. But there is a reason for that. But most of it, it is just slavery, from what I yeah, like what I've found like, of it. Like literally, all I, as someone outside of England, but who is pretty extremely online now about this guy, is that like he was racist and did slavery. That's like, yeah, oh, pretty I much. Him. I mean. I'd like to say some other. Th- I mean, I will say some other things that he did, but yeah, you- basically slavery is what I'm saying. Oh, what the, the aristocratic lot, uh, like trying to protect their own from like being held accountable. I never would have guessed it, especially in Britain, the most unaristocratic country ever. You know. I mean, no, he also, in fairness, he he did also. You know, he traded in. Um, Textiles, oils, wine, people, but <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, the main thing that defined his career, he like he was a successful sea merchant before all of this. He comes from a long line of merchants. He was already a, a, quite a rich person, and he became richer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> seaman. Well, yes. I'm extremely mature. <clears throat> in. Only mature political discourse here. In 1680, Colston became a member of the Royal African Company, uh, and that's an organisation that held a monopoly in England for trading gold, silver, ivory, and slaves off the west coast of Africa. Uh, this is arguably Crafty. the most. <laughs> this is arguably the most successful and longest association Colston had in his entire life. Uh, his involvement spanned 12 years, uh, one year of which he was deputy governor. 12 years of slave owner. I know, the irony, right? <laughs> 12 years of slave owner. Yeah. I, again, I'm not making this up. I did the maths on this. It's just very ironic. 
yeah. Um, yeah, and just I just want to point that out. It was twelve. It was twelve years of his entire life. When people, you know, try and downplay, say, "Oh, it was just you know a couple of years," like you know, just well, they all had involvement in the slave trade back in the day, you know, because it was so ingrained. No, 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 no. This guy was deputy governor of the company for a year. Oh, wow. like he was deeply involved in this company, and he knew exactly what it was about, and he was absolutely happy with what was going on. Like he was. Hashtag, hashtag baller. What a success win story. Inspiration for capitalists everywhere. During uh, these years, uh, it's estimated that over 84,000 Africans were taken from their homes and shipped to America to be forced to work on the plantations. 19,000 of which, that's nearly 20% of the people they forced on this journey, died on the way over there. Uh, their deaths were due to captains being instructed by the company to buy as many slaves as the ship could possibly carry, to the point of every captured human being crammed into the ship on a nightmare voyage of sleeping chained in their own filth, disease spreading, without any medical provision, suicides, violence, and murder. All in the pursuit of maximizing profits, transporting as many African lives into the hell of American slavery. Just I'm just, I just want to say that, you know, Colson knew this was happening and he instructed this to happen. Meanwhile, in Bristol, in, uh, in Bristol, in 1683, uh, during, during this time, Eddie joins the Society of Merchant Venturers. Weird name. Might hear it again. In 1684, Ed inherits his brother's merchant business and became a partner in a sugar refinery noted for having its sugar produced by slaves from St. Kitts in the West Indies. So, even more slavery. Ed was also a Tory high churchman, and this did not go down well with the Whig Corporation of Bristol, who were in charge at the time. But Oh uh, yeah, Ed, yep. the boys, the Whigs! <laughs> but Ed managed to keep sweet with them by transferring a huge portion of his original shareholding to William III thus securing the supremacy of the African trading company and ultimately growing his shares value and power in the political sphere. I'm sure that will have no lasting consequences. Definitely only hasn't recently been paid off, you know? What, what a baller, hashtag success win. He out there doing it. You know, as John McAfee would say, he's an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's an entrepreneur, yeah. After uh. this... Um, Ed began to donate huge amounts to charitable causes, which is what he's no noted for, as well as the slavery. Uh, yeah, which is not clear how much he actually donated over his life compared to, you know, profiting off human suffering by running the slave trade. Yeah, like that money he donated, that was like, that was fucking blood money. Yeah. Like he, he made a lot of people suffer and die for that. Like just putting it back in some charity isn't going to make up for what he did. It's, Estimated that he donated at least £70,000, which was virtually millions in those days. But again, yeah, he's still a rich man. And the vast majority of that money came from sending human beings to their deaths, including children. So, well, basically, his donations uh, can be seen all over Bristol to this day. Uh, he created the Colston Armhouses, which housed up to 12 people, uh, you know, a centre to house the poor, disabled and elderly. The uh, Colston Almhouses, uh, the trustees of the Almhouses today and back then were the Society of Merchant Venturers. Heard that name again. A lot of his uh, 
a lot of his charitable ventures are still open to this day, including Colston School, uh, then known as Colston Hospital, which opened with a huge endowment in 1710 from Edward Colston that was to be managed by the Society of Merchant Venturers. And that led to the Colston Girls School being opened by the Society of Merchant Venturers. And anyway, even outside of the Society of Merchant Ventures, his name can be seen on hospitals, monuments, charitable organisations everywhere around Bristol. And he did, he did this as these immense acts of charity, which he stated was essential for all rich people to do. He had to give back to the less fortunate in their communities as a good Christian man. He said that while still being an active and central role in the slave trade, and it's worth noting that none of his charitable ventures in his lifetime addressed any of the lives in black Af of black Africans that he sent to their deaths or for a lifetime of torture and for their descendants for hundreds of years. He kept it local, basically. Uh and he's also defended as a hero of the white working class by a few people who, in my honest opinion, should be put in pens away from BBC journalists until they can think about their actions. But they don't tend to mention that one of his big charitable efforts was to open workhouses for poor people. Oh. <laughs> which, even if your only history education is reading Oliver Twist at GCSE, you would recognise that that's a bad thing. Workhouses are not good. No, my my only like not gonna lie, my only like historical reference for workhouses, besides the names like, kind of sounding bad, is a fucking Scrooge, like the, the with the free free ghosts. That's my only reference. That's how I know workhouses are bad. Basically, they were very uh, cramped uh, places for uh, the economically disadvantaged, uh, mostly children. If we're being honest, uh, and it's uh, just like uh, just a whole lot of yikes. Uh, this problem would later get solved in the Victorian era, sort of. Yeah, a little bit. There were, were basically uh, slave labor camps for poor people, you know, and just yeah. abandoned people, just just destitute people who had no one else, to, no else to go. They would just cram them into these places and force them to work without pay. So in a sense, Colston, if anything, was an equal opportunity slaver <laughs> because he also you know enslaved white people. Him. Yeah, you know, he didn't discriminate. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's one of those edgy, edgy like Twitter people who are like, hey, I hate everyone equally. Yeah, yeah. I'll enslave white people, you know, from my from my own land, and I'll enslave everyone else. You know, yeah. This is this is starting to read as like a Netflix special called like cancelled or trigger triggered. Or well, something. I mean, he was cancelled <laughs> eventually. He, <laughs> he was, was cancelled into the river. Oof. <laughs> oh, yeah. remember, That's how we should cancel remember uh, eyes on the prize, lads. Uh, we got to get Maggie Thatcher into the river. Uh, you know what? You know what the crazy thing is? But Maggie Thatcher does make a, a guest appearance in this. What I've written down. Oh, Ooh, okay, 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 okay. Finally, some woman power. Girl boss. <laughs> Girl boss. Anyway, uh, okay. Even after you know opening workhouses, you know sending slaves from Africa to America, uh, generally being you know a piece of shit, but giving of it to charity. Uh, 
in between all of that. It's also worth noting that Ed, even after he officially left the Royal African Company in 1692, he continued to trade slaves privately uh, and right up until his retirement in 1708. Uh, dude just loved trading slaves. How, wait, how? Okay. How do you retire from being a slave trader? Well, apparently not, because it was like, like, well, I mean, I think that he was like, he just got a bit tired and he went into politics. And that's literally what he does. I mean, uh, he trades slaves. Wait, he went into politics. Yeah. He went into politics as a retirement plan. Yeah. That, that has like the same energy of Usain Bolt saying, yeah, I want to work for Liverpool Football Club as a retirement plan. like. It has similar energy <laughs> to it. It's like... <sighs> I mean... I mean, the dude just loved training slaves. Like, he does it for 16 years, and then he just, like, says, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of enslaving people. I'm going to, like, go into politics, which is slightly different. <laughs> yeah. And it may surprise you to know that he was a Tory MP. Uh. <gasps> What? Yeah. What? Really? 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 Uh, a hyper capitalist? A Tory? I never would have guessed. And you know what? You know what's funny as well is that he became a Tory MP for Bristol in 1710, which is funnily enough the same year he left a massive endowment to that boarding school for the Society of Merchant Venturers. He served as a Bristol MP for three years, and then he chilled out in Surrey for eight years until he died. Uh, he was aged 84. And it was in his bed far away from Bristol. And he never married. Uh, didn't have any heirs. Volsoking. Yeah. So he left a considerable fortune in land to his nephew, who is also named Edward Colston. Colston. <laughs> his large yeah. adult nephew with the same name. Yeah, as is it Edward nice. Colston? And uh, he's also a Tory MP, but for Wells instead of Bristol. He, he had the same name. He was a Tory MP. And he was an honorary freeman of the Society of Merchant Venturers. This fucking society. Swear <laughs> to God. Anyway, after he died, after a long career of uh, increasing human suffering for profit, As you do. and donating money to causes coincidentally connected to the same groups that give him political and social power. Of course. Completely coincidental, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, Edward requests that he is buried in the true good Christian way. To quote his will and testament, he wished to be buried simply without pomp. A final request that he was denied. Nice. <laughs> his body Hell was yeah. carried from Surrey to Bristol, and <laughs> he has a massive fuck-off monument in All Saints Church, designed by James Gibbs, one of the most influential British architects of all time, and sculpted by and he was sculpted by a Flemish artist, uh, John Michael Risperick. I'm sorry if I've got that wrong, but he's yeah, this I'm just going to show you. This is one of the most decadent. <laughs> this is probably one of the most decadent sculptures that I've ever seen. I'll put it in the. But we don't have time to unpack that chat. You gotta. You just have to. It's just have to witness this. Put a link in the description. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, with the other things. Oh my fucking god! Oh my Very god! simply without pop. Sculpt me like one of your French girls, Jack. Sculpt me like one of your French girls. Wait, where's, like, where's this? Where's this? Sorry. 
This is an All Saints church in Bristol. Right, okay. Sorry, I'm just... It, it looks like something I've seen in London or something, like Buckingham or whatever. Oh yeah, there's that Shakespeare one that looks exactly the same, but it was Shakespeare, I think. Where he's just reclining, you know, as if he's going, Mwah! I, I, for Shakespeare, it works, but it doesn't quite work for Colston. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, Colston would have fucking hated this. This is what gets me <laughs> about the, the, all of the memorials for this piece of shit slaver. I, even he didn't want this. Well, look, come on, people, this... people who don't want to take the statue down. Look, the, we're just doing what the guy wanted. Okay, can you deny him his dying wish? He would be the first to cheer it going in the fucking lake. So. Because he hates this shit. So what you're saying is, right, he is Robert E. Lee of Britain. I don't want a statue made of me, said Robert E. Lee. And then many statues, many statues of Robert E. Lee exist. It's the same thing with Margaret Thatcher as well. When she died, she said specifically she didn't want a state funeral. She just wanted to go quietly as a citizen. And what do they fucking do? The Tory party? They gave her a massive state funeral that like makes international news. I mean, it, and they make an insultingly soppy ace historical movie about her life, which she would have hated with every fibre of her cold, dead being. Oh, wait, is that the one so, with uh, Cheryl Streep? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean Meryl Streep, Meryl whatever Street. her name is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fucking shit. It's the worst uh, fucking... Even she would yeah. have hated it. It's insultingly bad. Like, this is the thing that gets me about, I mean, the, the Coulston discourse and the Margaret Thatcher discourse and the Robert E. Lee discourse. They, this doesn't really have anything to do with the people involved, as shitty as they were and how much they don't deserve to have all this memorialization. Even they didn't actually want it. So none of this pomp and ceremony is actually for them. It's for a different agenda. And... Oh, actually, to go on a um, to go on a tangent. Did you know that Margaret Thatcher was an honorary member of the Society of Merchant Venturers? Oh my fucking god! This fucking uh, society. Something is up with this society. Only honorary, though. They didn't have any women who were members until two thousand three. You know what? The Freemasons are a fucking psyop. Hey, over fucking the real take fucking that Illuminati. Take that back. No, you're a psyop, Alice, to cover for the real Illuminati, which is this fucking free venture merchant side. You know what? Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's just a bunch of drunk people, honestly, that just do charity work and do reasonable things. But, you know. Yeah, look, CIA psyop, you're not doing anything of the evil, any of the evil stuff. These sort of people actually doing the evil stuff. Now, here's where it gets interesting. And, and I do mean that literally because, like, before it's, it's like, you know, you slave owner and it's like, the actual history of the memorializations of this guy is way more interesting than the actual guy, to be honest. I'm not even kidding. The Wikipedia page for Edward, Edward Colston is shorter and less interesting than the Wikipedia page for his statue. Hey, don't, don't knock that Wikipedia page. I vandalized it myself. <laughs> I think it's been re-edited. It's been re-edited. Even re-edited, it's fucking fucking wild. Look, vandalizing statues, mini brain. Vandalizing Wikipedia pages about statues, that's the real giga brain shit. Don't, 
But yeah, um, it, currently the Edward Colston uh, Wikipedia page is once again not protected, so you know what that means. <laughs> oh no, I hope, sure hope that nobody edits it to be embarrassing. That would be terrible. Yeah, like um, Edward Colston uh, likes uh, ankles. <laughs> well, judging by that picture of his memorial, I think he does. <laughs> Certainly not his own ankles. He's Whoa. actually off screen looking at a woman's ankles right now. That's where he's looking. <laughs> yeah, but well anyway. <laughs> actually, I did have to do further digging. Uh because as wild as the Wikipedia is, that's still not the whole story. And I did actually have to do some real reading from uh histor- from historical societies. Ooh. And it is it is mental. Anyway, the the controversial Edward Colston statue that was originally erected in the center of Bristol uh, that has since been yeeted into water uh, was erected in <laughs> in eighteen ninety five uh, a full one hundred and seventy four years after Ed's death. Now you might be wondering why it took so long after his death, like the many Confederate statues peppered around America that were created as a backlash against the growing civil rights movement. But it turns out Colston underwent something of a reinvention during the Victorian era. Uh, In Bristol, historical figures like Colston were being mythologized as icons by the wealthy business elites who wanted to establish new traditions that made their role in society look a lot better than they actually ever were. Uh, He was selected to represent the economic, social, and political perspectives of Bristol businessmen, who were essentially mythologizing him. And I do mean quite literally mythologizing him. There was like so many weird tales that erupted out of their lies. Oh my fucking God. Is, Is he basically Bristol's like Steve Jobs or something? I mean, kind of, at the time, it sort of was, but even even weirder, it was almost a religious figure he became. He was, like, considered the good Samaritan. <laughs> you know, not mentioning, you know, the slavery stuff, of course. You know, that was, like, they just overlooked that part. But it was this whole idea of this rich man, this self-made man, this... Uh, uh, oh, what, my historian... God, it really is just success winchers. It is, like... You know, historian Spencer Jordan wrote a study on this saying that uh, the ability to depict Colston as both merchant prince and moral saint was thus central to the perpetuation of the tradition throughout the 19th century of basically, you know, propagating the bourgeois values of good of quote unquote good rich people justifying their dominance by giving some money to the poor, but none of the actual power. and. Even before the statue was created, the Bristol elites established parades, holidays, festivals that took on an almost spiritual angle as they became more elaborate over the years, all dedicated to Colston. They even have a bun named after him, the Colston bun. And they would eat these buns, you know, at these special events, you know, know. eulogizing this guy as this this saint-like man. Um, strange proto-religious stories about Ed include uh, uh, ones that said that th- that his body was disintegrated in 
1843, more than a hundred years after his death. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, because it was miraculously preserved by the spirit. I guess um, the spirits didn't want to miraculously preserve it forever. After a hundred years, they were like, "No, nah, but never mind. Fuck this." I was guy. like, "Okay, I'm done." Yeah, you know, his fucking time is up. Why yeah. regarding this dude again? He's boring. Fuck this guy. No, they just sort of like they just read the Wikipedia page and they're like, "He did what?" Yeah, he was cancelled among the spirits. Uh, others believe that Ed's charitable streak was created by discovering God, uh, leading him to a pious road of Damascus conversion for philanthropy what, over is profiteering. Scrooge? Is this Scrooge? <laughs> yeah, I just... And got a slave owner? Yeah, I mean, like... And not charitable that like, much, really. <laughs> I know that, you know, like, Scrooge is, like, you know, seen as, like, the absolutely, you know, terrible, terrible, you know, capitalist man, but like, he wasn't a slaver, at least. Yeah, at the very least. Like, he was he was shitty, but, like, this guy... And, like, he nice. actually gave the money to Tiny Tim, not Tim from the Society of Merchant Venturers. <laughs> yeah. Not large Tim, yeah. And, like, this is one of my favourite ones. Uh, the myth that was created for him. Uh, <sighs> there was a tale of a miracle... Uh, a dolphin was said to have saved one of Colston's what? ships by plugging a hole in the hull with its body. Wait, is this the... Yeah, one of the animated Titanic ripoffs. There's, like, uh, a fucking whale who saves the ship along with, like, the magical dolphins. Is this just oh the, my like, God. One, of the, one of the Italian Titanic ripoffs? It might be one movies? of the... It might, might be where the myth came from. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I, I mean, maybe... Colston is indirectly responsible for the Titanic animated ripoff. One of them. There are two of them. They're both the Italians. Jesus. And they both have music in them. And they have like Mexican mice, both of them. It's oh, really yeah, strange. I remember that. Yeah, that's very weird. It is I've so strange that both of them have that. It's it's very weird. Oh, but here's the best one though. Uh there was rumors that there were samples of Colston's hair and nails that had been secretly conserved and were worshipped like holy relics by the what? Society of Merchant Venturers. This fucking society is getting weird for weird. There's so much to investigate this shit. Can, we get, can we get an like, English Alex Jones on this? I mean, you know what? You, well, you know, you can just kind of like... I mean, you can assume that all of these myths are bollocks, right? They're just created by some rich people. I don't know. To, like, I can't believe that last one. That sounds like the kind of perverse weird shit rich people You can actually do. believe it because it turns out uh, that the rumour about cult and hair and nails uh, being worshipped by the Society of Merchant Ventures is partially confirmed. I fucking knew it. Yeah, we need to get Ale we need to get an English Alex Jones on this shit. We do, absolutely. We already have an English Alex Jones and his name is Paul Joseph Watson. No, he's not. He's not as funny though. He'd be on the side of the society. Like we need someone like Jones is willing to like infiltrate their secret ceremonies and watch them and shit. But for well, this the is, this is what happened. Like the society denied the rumors for years, uh, despite numerous reports that they had them on display in their merchants' hall, and like. You know, they had, like, uh, you know, school trips there, and apparently one girl went to the newspaper saying she was disgusted by seeing some hair and nails in one of the display cabinets. And a journalist in 2017, like, actually obtained a photograph of the hair and nails in a cabinet in the merchant's hall that he took during a civic dinner. 
that he attended. <laughs> like, when questioned, the representatives from the Society of Merchant Venturers at first denied the relics were held in Merchant's Hall, but later admitted they were, <laughs> claiming that they probably weren't Colston's. I mean, they're moving the goalposts here, like the lied ones. No, but the, the thing is, though, if they weren't Colston's, that raises so many more questions. <laughs> like, Who, who's on? Did they murder someone? <laughs> like, are they keeping that? They should like be able to account for hair and nails displayed in their merchants' hall. Like, I'm just so I'm so confused. Like, you know, it it's okay. If we killed someone, that's fine, you know? Or, like, you know, somebody just said, yeah, that's my hair and, you know, nails and stuff. Like, again, weird, but it's fine, you know? Um, no, if there, if there was just some random person, that would be weirder than it being Colston, honestly. That would be so much stranger than it just being Colston. Anyway. <laughs> um... This this statue that I was originally talking about uh, was part of this historical revisionism. And it was proposed by James Arrowsmith, who was the president of the Anchor Society, uh, which is one of the big four charitable organizations uh, pushing all of this sinister shit that's going on. Wait, Aerosmith? Like the rock band? No, no, no. Arrowsmith. That's close enough, honestly. I, th I think I'm picturing this Don't as just bring Aerosmith into this. They've done nothing wrong. members of Aerosmith. Well, anyway, there was like four big charitable uh, wings. There was the Anchor Society, the Dolphin Society, Grateful Society, and the Colston Societies, including the Society of Merchant Venturers. And the statue, you know, uh, they were all behind, you know, this creation of the statue, but mainly James Aerosmith, who was just really at the forefront trying to get this statue made and this was an early example of crowdfunding because Aerosmith tried and failed multiple times to get uh, Bristol citizens to get money to build this thing and nobody wanted anything to fucking do with this like it was very cringeworthy to be honest over the course of a two year fundraising effort appealing to charities he gave extravagant din dinners, soliciting donations from various charities and rich organizations and Bristol citizens where he'd pass around envelopes expectantly for huge donations <laughs> and only to be stuck at the end of these parties with a pile of empty envelopes. I see. This you is know, again, this is again, this is how you don't picture it. This is all of the Aerosmith band members standing around with their instruments at this party just holding out envelopes this was going on here. i mean this is this is great performance but i'm not giving anyone this fucking <laughs> yeah, statue performance art yeah anyway over the two years he raised 650 pounds which was a lot of money at the time but it was less than the amount needed for the casting and erection of his statue but then the remaining balance of 150 just before the deadline am i am i wait you know you may guess here it's the fucking society, isn't it? Uh, no, no. It oh. was uh, oh, no. it was paid by a mysterious anonymous donor described as Wait, that's a gentleman. weirder. Yeah, as a gentleman who had been one of the promoters of the design. Okay, oh, it was it was guess. Aerosmith. I mean, it's clearly, oh. clearly fucking Aerosmith. Like he paid it. <laughs> yeah. You know, he does the thing where, like, you know, he just like pays into his own Kickstarter, you know, for like <laughs> yeah. when it's not going very well. 
Anyway, it was um, unveiled on the 13th of November, 1895, uh, a date which has been known for some time in the city as Colston Day. Uh, further funds were raised after the unveiling, including funds from the Society of Merchant Venturers. Oh, oh, fuck. There Here they, they are. are. Here they are. There they are. There fuck, they you are. knew they were going to come into this shit. And this was the end results. I'll post it in the chat again. You know, this is what the statue uh, originally looked like. So this is the like, statue, right? This is the statue that, you know, is causing all of the fuss in my country at the moment. Now, there's a lot of things to say about, say about this. Uh, it's, I'll describe a little of what it looks like. Uh, Ed's on a plinth with a walking stick, looking as if he's deep in thought, thinking about all those slaves he's shipped. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. I think I forgot some of those slaves. Dang. It's not as much human suffering as I could be causing. I'll get him next time. Now, I just want to point out that this wasn't like a... This became a popular statue on Lackmark. Like like I said, with the failed crowdfunding, like nobody actually <laughs> wanted this fucking thing. And another thing that annoys me about it, that just really annoys like it's peppered with the charitable org. You can tell that this is peppered with all of the elites that this was pandering to and promoting. Like, there are... The thing that really pisses me off is that the Dolphin Society, which has since said that, oh, we didn't have any, you know, involvement in Colston. Oh, no. You know, you know what those fish down there are supposed to be? The don't say dolphins. I refuse they're to dolphins. believe yeah, that. No, they're that dolphins. is not. That is not anywhere. Anywhere they're supposed near to be dolphins. I know. No, it, I, look I at refuse. what it says. Look at what it says on the Wikipedia page. Dil detail on one of the dolphins. Now, I for anybody who can't see no, what we're I seeing, believe that's a that dolphin. is not that a dolphin. Is that is not a dolphin. That I know. Fact, that I don't know. I don't know what fucking Lovecraftian abomination this is. <laughs> Like, this is like play... the statue, statue the guy found in the short story Dagon. Like, this is what he saw that, that made him lose his mind at an island. That's what he saw. This is the fish people of Dagon. I've been playing a lot of Darkest Dungeon these days, and that looks exactly like the fish people that I've been fighting. Anyway, look at... Uh, I've also made a link to the Dolphin Society, which is one of the big four charities, and look at their fucking logo. That's not a dolphin either. Exactly. It's exactly the same not dolphin. It's the same not dolphin. It's the same Lovecraftian abomination. Like, they fucking did. This is the thing that, like, you, well, you read down, it's sort of like saying, well, you know, we've nice this conscious, but we didn't, like, profit off the slavery or, or the historic revelation. You know, we recognize the slavery figure. It's like, it's right fucking there. Like, their emblem is right fucking there. I mean, that's the reason why those not dolphins are there. I don't know, you were established in 1748. Pretty suspicious. But they were seafarers! They were sea merchants! They dolphins look like! Surely! <laughs> yeah, but, but the link you said, it like, literally the first word here is Edward Colston. Like, this is... They're, they're yeah. like, tying themselves to Edward Colston here. Yeah, I know. They kind of are and aren't because they... It's, it's really... It's it's like a really sort of wishy-washy say, like, yeah, you know, we were established then, and, you know, we may have... You know, Edward Colston wasn't a nice guy. But, you know, it's all right now. You know? Just, you know, get over it. You know? Just move on. Because it is, like... Because yeah, all of the charities involved, like, had to reckon with their past, because 
you know, like I said, after hundreds of years of myth making, it, you know, actual historians looked into it and it started to become apparent that, you know, Edward Colston wasn't the man that he was built up to be. In fact, he was actually a horrific slave owner responsible for a lot of atrocities. No. And, you know, even, yeah, and that his charitable works were a little bit over exaggerated. And even if they weren't, it didn't compare to the evil that he inflicted upon the world in the pursuit of profit. And yeah, this went for a very long time. You know, again, like a lot of like charities, you know, who whose ancestry is like built on building this man up have basically had to go, I'm deleting it. I'm deleting it. I'm sorry. Okay. A, a second here. Look, I'm, I'm at the Dolphin Society fucking webpage. I'm on the president's message. Most of it, most of it's fairly milk toast. There's a line that got me really confused, though. Okay, so the line reads: "This included being on committees for various Bristol All the People charities and being a quote-unquote visitor for them." What's what's the quote-unquote about? Why why is visitor within quotation marks? What was she doing at the All the People charities? I mean, that sounds really ominous. Why is the visitor I, in quotes? That's what I said. They can't act normally. They can't like they're supposed to have PR, but yet they still manage to sound really sinister. The most suspicious quotation marks. Why is all this of these charities mark? have literally, this? Literally, all they have to do is like just you know, all they just got to say is we reject Carlston. We understand he done a shitty thing, and we're taking steps to you know, like, undo the shitty thing. That's literally all they had to say. But no. It's like, <laughs> well, that's because the, they receive backlash when they do. Like, the, the Colston Girls School, which is now to be renamed mm -hmm. because of, which was, it was in the bag before the mm -hmm. incident with the statue, but it's definitely going ahead now. Uh, they've been renamed, but they've, like, and a lot of music venues as well uh, have been renamed because they, you know, they don't want to. Uh, yeah, it it was, was it Massive Attack that uh, you know that didn't uh, might want to play at a at a Colston venue? Might have been. Yeah, and they, you know, they receive backlash, and it's like <laughs> I don't know. The MP for like uh, Bristol at the moment is like saying that he won't visit any, you know, venues that have had their name changed from Colston. So I guess he's just going to go to racist venues from now on. <laughs> yeah. So people like, I mean, I must say, I want to emphasize that it Colston all in all is a load of hype, but a lot of people still have bought into this hype and are still losing their minds over this. But even from the very beginning, Bristolians just don't really give a fuck. Like, why would they? Like, this is uh, they're they're a bit more sensible. Anyway, uh, the real history of Edward Colston uh, started to come out around 1920 when the Reverend H. J. Wilkins wrote a chronology of Edward Colston and detailed the overwhelming evidence that Ed amassed his immense fortune via trading slaves. And as Wilkins wrote. We cannot picture him justly except against his historical background. Oh, we stand this Wilkins guy. He sounds cool. Yeah, he seems cool. He's, he's a lot more woke in the 1920s than uh, the Bristol MP at the moment. Yeah. Huh. 
And he's, yeah, but most people just kind of, you know, went, shut up, Wilkins. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Vogue's called SJW PC Warrior. Who's your, who's your top four next, huh? <sighs> Stop being a woke scold, Wilkins. <laughs> I'd like, yeah, who's he yeah. gonna come for next? Fucking PC Police Wilkins. So they kind of just like it, it kind of. You know, while it is definitely a thing, there's not really that much growing dissent against this statue until the 1990s, where, again, I think that it may be due to, like, you know, communications getting better and, you know, activism, you know, becoming more heated around this issue. But there was a... Uh, in the During the 90s, there was a huge amount of campaigns and petitions calling for the removal of the statue, describing it as a disgrace, as whitewashing history as celebrating slave owners. And in 1998, this culminated in Slave Trainer uh, being scrawled on the statue's base, oh, you know, that's which called Stink. That's based. <laughs> that's Get based it? on the base. Yeah. <laughs> and in a 2014 poll, uh, the local newspaper, the Bristol Post, 56% uh, of the 1,100 respondents said it should stay, while 44% wanted it, the statue's removal. So basically, or this, it was quite, you know, it was kind of Brexit split. You know, the uh, ideas about uh, this statue, like uh, a slight majority were in favor of uh, leaving it, and but still a sizable minority wanted it to go. And Bristol's first uh, elected. Elected Mayor George Ferguson made a controversial statement on Twitter in 2013 saying that celebrations for Colston are perverse, not oh. something I shall be taking part in. Oh, base, base. Oh, man. Yeah, it was just growing and growing and growing. And in 2018, uh, Labour MP for Bristol West, you know, Fagnum Debonair, that, sorry if I've mispronounced your name, Wrote to yeah, if Brist you're listening to this. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sorry for mispronouncing your name. I'm pretty sure that their name's Debonair. But wrote to Bristol City Council calling for the removal of the statue. And a petition to remove the statue guarded more than 11,000 signatures across Bristol. How many people do live in Bristol? Quite a, quite a lot of people. Like, how do they look Bristol populations? Oh, that's, well, yeah, it's like... Uh, 400,000. Oh, 11,000 is pretty impressive then. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, 11,000 is a good percentage for like a petition. That's a really good percentage. Considering that it was like, you know, you know, just council matters as well, you know, that's impressive because <laughs> no one fucking cares, you normally. Anyway, um, in 2018, it developed even further by an art installation of a uh, slave ship being erected in front of the, oh, uh, the statue. Look at that. Good. I will show you. Uh, yeah, oh, look at it. That's so fucking good. The statue could stay if that was like, you know, a permanent fixture. Yeah, you know, I usually, think it's, I usually think it's like, I usually think it's really dumb when like centrists go like, oh, what if we put another statue next to it with the opposite message? That I usually think that shit is like really dumb, but this... This is fucking based and good. Yeah, this it remained there. It remained there for some months, but it was removed. Aww. Oh, sucks. you know, it was Aww. to mark anti-slavery day in the UK as well. So that was like double based. And yeah, another, really 
But after that, another artistic intervention saw a ball and chain attached to the statue. So, like, what I'm saying is this wasn't just a random act of violence from the Antifa super soldiers. Like, Bristolians have hated this statue and what it represents for a very long time and have been, you know, often fucking with it and protesting against it for at least three decades. Yeah. So just to give and, some perspective. And that's just the reported and recorded ones. Exactly. Like, you know, like, I'm sure it's near to some pubs and I'm sure somebody's urinated on it or spat at it, you know? You know, like, the the crazy thing is as well is that the Bristol City Council trying to address it without removing the statue has been, like, a very weird thing as well. Like, they tried to, like, uh, put a plaque up uh, to add to the public knowledge about Colston. Oh, the plaque Uh, shit is so fucking weak. There are so many Americans who are interested about that, too. It's so fucking weak. They did this with with the statue as well. They, like... uh, No one... No one fucking reads plaques on statues. No one. No one does it. No, I've, no, I've played Skyrim. I read the plaques, you know. I read the flavor text. Skyrim is another thing. I do, I do that too. But in real life? Nah, miss me with that shit. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, no one reads the fucking plaques, but they couldn't even let them have a fucking plaque about it being weird because they reworded it to, like, mention that he was a Tory MP and, you know, he played an active role in the enslavement of 84,000 Africans, uh, 12,000 of which were children. And, yeah, he defended the... He's also... The plaque said that he defended the city's quote-unquote right to trade in enslaved Africans. And also with the caveat on the plaque, Bristolians who do not subscribe to his religious and political beliefs were not permitted to benefit from his charities. It's quite a bold fucking plaque. Yeah, that's... Like, no yeah. one's gonna read that shit, but, like, it's still a decent gesture. You know what's, you know what's, you know, great? Because that's a pretty bold plaque. The Society of Merchant Venturers objected to the wording. Oh, fuck off. And a Bristol Conservative <laughs> council called it revisionist and historically illiterate. A second yeah, version... A fucking, wait, 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 let's get a Tory, right? Yes, he's a Tory. Yeah, MP, Tory, Tory MP has no fucking business calling anyone else historically illiterate. Like they kind of ghost with the job. Oh, anyway, it was it was so, it's so weird because the Society of Merchant Venturers. Uh, you may supr- be surprised to hear, you know, while keeping probably keeping some human remains in their cabinets, <laughs> they yeah. have been behind. The efforts to keep the statue there, like even mm. even to this day, and another fun fact of even it: to they, this day, what do they want to fish it up? <laughs> yeah, well, they. Uh... <laughs> oh my god, they rewrote the plaque to remove mention of slavery and uh, the fact that he was a Tory, which is. <laughs> It's, it's a weird detail that, you know, they, it was offensive to mention that he was a Tory MP, even though I, I would say that's actually, that would be... Yeah, stop making stop making our statue of a politician political. This is a political statue. Stop politicizing this very political topic, everyone. Yeah, the third and final version was written by the society, by the way. 
basically uh, a final version of the plaque uh, mentioned that he was a slave owner, but did mention how many of those were children and didn't mention that he was a Tory MP. And that was sort of in between. Like, they were fine to mention that he was a slave owner, but, you know, bigged up his charitable foundations and just, like, put a blurb at the bottom. However, after the plaque was cast, a statement from the mayor's office called the final wording, wording unacceptable, claiming that Rees had not been consulted and promised to continue work on a second plaque. So it didn't even get the plaque that was sanitized. Oh, well. And, uh, oh. You know, actually, here's a, a final word because the Society of Merchant Venturers have been behind all of the efforts to keep this fucking thing standing. Who knows what else they've been behind? Exactly. But I want to do, like, I just want to leave you with, because now, because after all of this, you know, I'm feeling kind of a little bit wiped, and you probably all know what happened next. Like, well, you sir, know, after. Well, sir. Well, sir. As uh, one brave Bristolian said in a tweet about it, they went through all of the proper channels in order to get the statue take taken down. So now they've thrown it in a proper channel. <laughs> nice, nice. Stay classy, Bristol. I love you. Absolutely, that's great. And yeah, it's, you know, after being failed to be resurrected by white supremacists who tried to fish it out the lake with <laughs> fucking fishing rods, which is just... <laughs> the best uh it's now been taken away uh and is put you know in storage you know and will be displayed in a museum wait did they, did they succeed in fishing it up yeah they, they succeeded oh, in fishing it up they won't investigate you know any deaths uh inside the lake but they will fish out this fucking statue and i'll give you a nice little parting shot Wait, what's what was that many. about the deaths with the, with the water now oh yeah it was it came under criticism like uh, a muslim girl like died mysteriously in uh in the river like you know apparently just like she wandered into the lake by herself which hmm. isn't considered yeah and the police were like yeah we're satisfied with that explanation <laughs> and sure. it can't possibly be a, a a racially involved killing you know <laughs> anyway this is our boy ed amazing that's where he currently sleeps i'll be happy if he's still sleeping with the fishes no, no, you think you find he's sleeping with the dolphins. Those like <laughs> the, the quote unquote dolphins. Yeah, the Dagon style dolphins. And yeah, the uh I think that, you know, because the heat has been on the Society of Merchant Ventures, because apparently they've been blocking and rewriting a lot of uh you know, the things that have been going going on just to keep this fucking thing you know, relevant and on a pedestal. In a statement in 12 June, they they said that the fact that if the statue has gone is right for Bristol. To build a city where racism and inequality no longer exist, we must start, we must start by acknowledging Bristol's dark past and removing statues, portraits and names that memorialise a man who benefited from tra trading human lives. Do, 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 would you like to know, like, you know, what the the Society of Merchant so what the Society of Merchant Venturers first ethnic minority uh, member was? Like, absolutely, how long absolutely, ago? I do absolutely. Two thousand twenty. This year, <laughs> two thousand twenty. Oh my god! Two thousand twenty. 
Yeah, they were finally getting cancelled for not having any, like, token minorities. Yeah. Like, finally bring one guy in here. I mean, I will say this about the society. As shady as they are, and possibly, you know, got some unclaimed remains that need to be accounted for, like, they know how to read a room, at least. Bristol's yeah. MPs and The Sun, who are publishing, you know, the the names and faces of the people allegedly responsible for tip for fly tipping this piece of shit into into the into the water. They don't know how to read the room because the moral of this story is Bristolians don't give a fuck about your racists. They don't give a fuck about your historical revision, revisionism. All of this effort that was placed on canonizing this man is failed and it should fail. And I hope that it rots in a warehouse somewhere. I hope that it gets frozen, thrown in the river a second time. Yeah, I think it would have been great. Someone needs <laughs> Just to take it out. Tradition. Someone needs to take it out on a boat and drop it in the middle of the ocean so it'll be as hard as possible, like a mafia-style sea funeral. Just wrap it in some bin bags. So you didn't see nothing. Hell yeah. Rest in fucking pieces, uh, Edward Colston. Hell yeah. So, next topic. Right. So, for a change of pace, I'm gonna talk about something that happened in my country, Sweden, instead of being a filthy free abu all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know, I know. Making big progress here. Yeah, this is some fairly recent statue drama from here, but it's much dumber than a lot of the other statue drama, because this isn't political. This is about sports ball. Oh no. Sports ball statue drama is what we're talking about here. Uh, I love sports ball. My city loves sports ball. We, 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 we nearly called ourselves sports ball city. <laughs> yeah. So the year is 2017. Swedish artist Peter Linde has just finished his new piece. It's a three meter tall bronze statue of Sweden's most famous soccer player, Slaton Ibrahimovic. He is shirtless his arms out in a victory post, standing on top of a world map that symbolizes his international success. The statue will stand outside of Friends Arena in Stockholm, the biggest stadium in Scandinavia. And yeah, our biggest sta- our biggest stadium is called Friends Arena, where belly holds some people here. Slaton himself feels pleased that his likeness is being turned into a monument. When you come, when you come to New York, you have the Statue of Liberty, when you come to Sweden, you have the statue of Slatan, he writes, humble as ever. There is a problem, though. Kind of a big one. Uh, the statue is too heavy for the ground outside of Friends Arena to support it. In the years Peter had been working on this project, no one had taken that into account or stopped to consider that. Like, he'd been working at, le- at least a year on this thing, with the intention of, oh yeah, I'm gonna place it outside this arena. And did not bother to, like, consider the weight of it. Great job. Oh, dear. So now Linde has a large statue of Slatan standing in his backyard and he has nowhere to put it. He doesn't know what to do with it. It's going to stand there for years. He has nowhere to put it. So an obvious choice would be Slatan's home city, Malmö, where he began his career. But their culture board had already made it clear they didn't want it. Another group of people who don't want the fucking statue. <laughs> yeah, the culture board were just like, uh, nah, we'd rather not. 
So Linda and company couldn't really think of anywhere else to put it, though. So they just kept nagging at Malma about it until they basically went, oh, fuck it, right, we'll take the damn statue, just leave us alone. So now, after two years of the Slatan statue, statue standing idle in Linda's yard, it would finally have a home. Over a thousand people, including Slatan himself, were present at the ceremony where the statue was unveiled. Around the statue, stone engravings with Slatan's championship titles were raised. There were several misspellings on these plaques, including World Cup being spelled as World Gup, <laughs> Champions <laughs> being spelled as Hampions. <laughs> Again, they had two years to figure this shit out, and they fell fucked up. The statue was just standing in a guy's backyard for two years. They had two years to work on this. And we ended up with World Gup and Hampions. Great job, guys. So, at the press conference, when asked about whether he thought there was any risk of vandalism, Slatan confidently responded that his statue would be protected by his fans. This would turn out to be a tragically ironic statement. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, because a few months after the statue was raised, Slatan became a part owner of Hammerby, a soccer team from Stockholm. Now, something you need to know about Sweden is that people from Stockholm are generally pretty despised by the rest of the country. Like, seen as stuck up, out of touch, generally rude. This is definitely extends to sports teams, because Malmö's soccer scene really doesn't like people or teams, especially teams from Stockholm. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's pretty uni universal with sports, so like they don't generally like people or other teams. <laughs> Yeah, but like generally, relate. even outside of sports, people from outside Stockholm dislike Stockholmians. So like this like multiplied with both the sports sector of like different cities team and just people they generally hate otherwise. So the retaliation for this was swift and severe. Under the cover of night, a mass group of individuals went to the statue. They threw flares at it, wrote threats on the ground, all the while shouting things like, burn him down, and Judas. This was investigated as a hate crime because statues of Swedish footballers are apparently a protected class. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was investigated oh, yeah. as a hate crime. I'm sorry, but bronze isn't a race. I... <laughs> yeah. So authorities put a fence around the statue, but predictably, a mere fence was not enough to stop the rage of a football fan scorned. During the next two weeks, someone broke the protective barrier and took a saw to the Slatan statue slab. <laughs> now, they didn't manage to cut it off, but they did much damage, so much so that the structural integrity of the statue was compromised. This time, the city vowed to get guards to protect the statue, and they clearly didn't do that. Or either, either that or the guards just sucked at their job, because not two weeks after that, the statue was painted silver, and its nose and toe were both successfully sawed off. <laughs> I, you know what? I mean, I'm sorry, but like, Bristol has vandalism down over stock. This, this is this is kind of pathetic, to be honest. You know, no, come on, we we threw, we we painted this guy silver and cut off his nose to make him look like fucking Voldemort. Come on, <laughs> come I on, mean, it's pretty good. I don't know. It just makes me. I just make me 
basically when you're owning someone, it's like, yeah, we're gonna like, you know, tip over their mailbox and like leave a sandwich on their on their front lawn. It's like, okay, I'm a, I'm annoyed, but you know, I'm confused more. Oh, more sorry, so. sorry. Have you not seen the photos of like people leaving sandwiches and roses for Churchill statue? What? Fucking <laughs> London. Oh Jesus Christ! Like if I can get offering into like a fucking guards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just about, I want to get a sandwich when he, when when Churchill comes out of the shame cube that the government's put him in. I want to get a sandwich and I want to go up to Churchill and feed him a sandwich. It's like, yeah. There you go. Finish your baloney. <laughs> yeah. So can continue about Slatten. Slatten the statue, go on. Yeah, before I go on, like, in terms of us being juvenile, like, a thing a lot of people did were, like, put toilet bowls around him, like, on his head and on his arms, like, yeah. Rude. Yeah, dude, we got him. Because uh, the, the sports team he's working for, Han Marby, is also called Bajan, which, and if you, if you take that, if you take Bajan and turn it into, uh, like, Bajada, which would be like someone who someone in Bajam. That also means that also means pooper. So like that. Therefore, oh. the toilet bowls. See, owned. they got them. They owned. fucking owned them. Yeah. They paint the study silver. They cut its nose and toe off. Uh, but this was nothing, though, compared to what would happen a month later. So clearly, the soccer stands had leveled up their skills in sewing, because when they came for his legs a second time, they did not miss. His legs were severed at the ankles, and the statue, stat- the Slatten statue, finally fell at this. Holy As he shit. lay on the ground amidst the crumpled fence that was supposed to protect him, a Sweden shirt was wrapped around his face so he could not breathe. This time, the damage was near severe enough that the statue had to be moved. It was oh, taken geez. to an undisclosed location where Linde could work on its repairs. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a photo here of the Slatten statue on the ground. To contrast with the the photo you got here of of the of our of our guy, of our Eddie boy. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> own. Oh, and Eddie was saying about flipping up to vandalism. Look at this. Well, Look at what we Brist- did. Bristol was like really, actually, in comparison, was really kind to this, you know, slave owner. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Look at this is like a sports personality, and it's like, man, and the person's still alive. This guy's. They yeah, really this guy's still alive. Him yeah. up. Jesus. Oh yeah, they God. really fucked him up. They were serious with the sauce and shit here, yeah. That is. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I'm looking at his feet now, and it's like someone has one of his toes. Look how so, big his uh, fucking toes are. So, Lee, did they ever find who uh who done it? Uh no, they have not, actually. But speaking of someone having his toes, someone oh, did God. have his nose. And while the repairs were going on, Slatan supporters, investigative journalists, and statue enthusiasts alike made it their mission to track down the missing nose. One woman found a lead online, a golden metal nose, and PJ Linde himself said it bore a very strong resemblance to his piece. But it turned out to just be a stock photo of a 17th century nose prosthetic. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So another person came forward. Popular Swedish gardening show host John Taylor, who claimed that he had seen the nose hanging around someone's neck at a New Year's party. 
get someone just walking around with a fucking slot on those around oh their neck. Oh my god. Oh, oh, the fucking balls. I yeah, the fucking it. balls to vandalize this and then take this, like, fucking bronze nose. Everyone in the city probably knows what this is, because this was, like, big news, the Stella statue thing. Oh, this boy takes trophies. <laughs> yeah, this fucking baller, honestly. So, John, being a Malmo supporter, was jokingly asked if he himself had an alibi for the night of the attack. He answered that if it was him, he would have used better tools. We stand popular <laughs> Swedish gardening <laughs> show host, John Taylor, here. Jesus. <laughs> so the statue stood in Malmo for 107 days total, and during that time, it had cost taxpayers almost a quarter of a million kroner, which would be 20k in Britbang money. Oh my god. This will not be the final sum, as the repair process will be quite costly as well. Just a reminder, they didn't want this fucking thing in the first place. You know like what? Peter I... gave them to them. Like Peter gave it to them as a gift. You just can't say that no one else wanted it, and it ended up costing taxpayers like it's gonna end up costing taxpayers at least thirty k. You know, at that point, I would cut my losses and just melt it down for something. <laughs> melt it down into a giant nose and like commemorate oh, it. Like... Oh yeah, hell yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the this is the whole thing about statue discourse. Like, this is a running theme. Like, nobody fucking wants these things. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, no one fucking wants these things. Like, you know, read a room, okay? Yeah, like, like, only Slatan wanted this thing. Like, everyone else didn't seem to care that much, honestly. Like, no one in the country wants back garden, Slatan. Yeah. For real. <laughs> so, after the summer, the statue will be placed back in Malmö, and some fear this will lead provocation to more attacks. Only time will tell this fate of the Slatan statue. Thank you. Short but sweet segment this time. That was beautiful. Right, so Alice, you got a statue of your own to talk about, yeah? Okay, so my statue's been in the news. But first, we need to know about the guy. I introduce to you Earl Charles Grey II. The tea boy. He makes shit tea. It's delicious, shut up. It's, it's flowery. Sorry, it's bad tea. So, um, side 16 kids. Oh, oh. fucking Chad. <laughs> so, wait, uh, did he have all those kids with the same mom, with the same like yes. woman? Or, yes, oh, only oh, one, constant only baby one, making going on there. Only one is, uh, you know, not, um, legitimate. They really must have been like every opportunity they got, like, to have all those kids. Like every ninth month, uh, they just start making a new as, one. As we'll uh, find out, a boy, Earl Grey, has a pretty stressful life. So let's begin. Uh, he was born, I know, shock horror, right? <laughs> he was born in 1764 in Berwick, Northumberland. Uh, 1764, Berwick, Northumberland. Yeah. He comes from, like, a kind of, you know, well-to-do family and stuff. Uh, so he's sent to, um, he's sent to Eton. But, uh, he's quite sick when he's going there. So, um, he has to stay with a nurse. And the nurse takes him out to, uh, see a public execution of <laughs> seven Jews being hung for oh, forgery. What? what? Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I want to go to Alton Towers. No, even better. I mean, executions were sort of a public sport at the time, but still, pretty fucked up. But that's fucked up. That's uh, really fucked up. Uh, yeah, it is fucked up. Uh, it gave 
gave him nightmares for most of his life. Uh, oh, you don't say. <laughs> the only person at the fucking execution. Everyone else just standing there like, oh, come on, hang a guy. And he's just the one person who goes, yo, guys, this kind of fucked up. Anyone else think this fucked up? Bearing in mind he was on the nurse's shoulders. Like Jesus Christ. This isn't this is like a fucking concert he's being held up. Everyone else was going, Whoa, executions, execute a guy. And meanwhile, he's just doing like the five hundred yard stare. If they had fan cams in those days, it would just be everybody going, Yeah, hang over there's just this little boy crying on the shoulders of his <laughs> So, uh, he gets educated and eaten. Normal, like, you know, posh boy education. Uh, he did make political connections. Uh, eventually, uh, he would get, you know, involved in politics. And he butted heads with the establishment consistently. Nice. And I mean, really consistently. We stand at anti establishment king. Yeah. So, um, Charles, uh, was, in fact, so hard to work with, King George IV refused to give him a cabinet position. Um, now, he was friends with somebody named Charles Fox, uh, and they were like very, you know, pro-abolition, very pro-civil liberties kind of thing. They were sort of entangled in the movements of charterism and radicalism, which was a kind of... Uh, basically like expanding the voting franchise uh which gray did manage to do um it was roughly around the time of the french revolution uh oh um and the government had passed like various acts uh called gagging acts uh which basically prevented like any criticism of the government whatsoever well, like, that's definitely gonna gonna prevent dissent. People are definitely not gonna react poorly to that. Everyone loves that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. How about we ask the people of Peterborough? Hey, Peter, people of Peterborough, what you think? Uh, yeah. Like, wouldn't it be a shame if, like, you all gathered for, like, you know, a pro-democracy rally, and then the British military just kills you all? Yeah, that would be a shame, huh? Yeah. Um. So, um, anyways, about was, my uh, rally in Petersburg next month, it's a pro democracy rally. <laughs> Anyone want to come? Yeah, so uh, it was called on English during William Pitt the Younger's Reign of Terror. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, there was like various bills, like, eventually, basically, the culmination between Pitt and Gray's opposition to each other is, um, like basically uh leaves parliament just like goes you know fuck this shit i'm out you're stupid i hate you <laughs> that's a direct quote <laughs> yeah direct quote i'm definitely not paraphrasing um we never paraphrase here everything is a direct quote yeah um so like he spent like a couple of years like you know just like hanging out in like northumberland and stuff uh just you know being you know, cool and stuff, like just writing theory. Now, let's get to the uh, one of his other great achievements. Helped write the bill that abolished 
slave trade in the British Empire. Neat. As well as uh, Charles Fox and Lord Greenville. Yeah, get fucked, Edward Colston. (laughs) Yeah, get fucked. Uh, Now, bearing in mind, uh, the Whig Party was very pro-democracy, pro-liberty, anti-monarchy, and is literally uh, descended from the roundheads from the English Civil War. Whereas the Tories were descended from the Cavaliers, brackets the Royalists, from the Civil War. So... So what you're saying is they were based. They were like, yeah, based, ruled. basically like if out of the two party based system. Based and bread filter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, the, the Whigs were pretty based. Uh, but um, Charles was part of a faction called the Foxites, which were like more working classy. So that was like good, especially since he was the eighth prime minister. Here is where it gets fucking stressful. Have you ever, like, accidentally missed something on a, you know, important letter, or, I don't know, a bill ending slavery in the British Empire? Oh, no. What did you do? <laughs> uh, so there was, like, there was an admission from it, which would have rendered, like, the entire bill useless. And, like, um... Oh, no. Lord Greenville and Charles and were just, like... Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. We've got to get this done. We've got to get this done. It's like, what the fuck? We have to do this. It's like, has it been passed by a house of Commons? Shit, it has. Has it been passed by a house of Lords? Fuck. Has it been passed by a Oh no, it's going to get royal estate. Holy fucking shit. We need to stop this fast. So it's just like. These fucking idiots, I swear to God. You got people like running about, like, just like, can we have to quickly amend this bit, like, really quickly before it gets like royal sentence? <laughs> They can uh, make Royal... a sit come out of this. They should make a sit come out of this. Yeah, they should. Like, there needs to be a biopic on Charles Gray's life. Honestly, it's, like, really good. Um, Charles Fox, unfortunately, didn't get to see this bill, like, through. But, like, uh, basically, you know, it was, like, his lifelong career, basically. Um, so, that happened. And that will eventually get all sorted out and the bill is passed. Um, it was, like, described as the Magna Carta for Africa and stuff. Like, they, you know, egoed themselves up. Now, I want to point something out about um, this bill. It didn't abolish slavery. It just abolished the trade of it. It's, it's halfway there. It's something, halfway I mean, there. kind of abolishes at least some of the, like, financial incentive for slavery. It still doesn't, like, do anything yeah, that people already um, have. Which it should have, but this was seen more as a stepping stone, even for the time, like for the people who were, you know, writing the bill and supporting the bill. Um, that's enough for a king who art farting it up in heaven. He d- he did he done fuck on earth as he does in heaven. Yeah. Uh, so uh, time skip. Uh, we're going to. June the 6th, 2020. Black Lives Matter protests are in full swing. Our boy Edward Colston has been chucked into the river, and this has, this has given a lot of protesters some ideas. Specifically about, like, you know, so what statues should we remove? Should we, like, you know, campaign for the removement of or toss in? Never. Now, in Newcastle, there is the Armstrong statue, and there is 
the Earl Grey statue, and there is also a monument to the South, the Second South African Boer War. Um, now, Armstrong uh, was an industrialist. Although my MP has defended him, claiming he's an industrialist, he is an industrialist that supplied guns to both sides of the American Civil War. <laughs> both sides? Shit. Hashtag both sides? Hashtag... Both sides. Both sides. Look, Lincoln, look, Lincoln, Jefferson Davis, they're both the same. Both the same. Well, well, both what he was doing same. is what the BBC describes as balance. You see, you have yeah. to, like, give it's both. Fair and balance, yeah. <laughs> so, basically, um, on this website, Topple the Racists, uh, like, Earl Grey was listed on there. Uh, now, given what we know, that's like, hey, how come? You know, how come? How come my boy, Charles, Charlie, you know, why is he on that? Um, yeah, it was a good boy. It's a good tea boy. Yeah. Why, is, why is he on there? Uh, well, the tea isn't good. Maybe he did good things. The tea is not good. You know what, Lee? I'm I'm willing to die on this hill. Your lane is over there. What okay. way was my lane? Hmm. Okay, so um, basically, uh, the reason listed on the website is because uh, his government paid the white slave owners and not the black slaves, which, to be fair, is an absolutely fair criticism. It was later removed, though, because um, of a few things. I, uh, I just want to show you um, how... Uh, how tall the statue is of Grey's Monument. It's so big. I actually, right. when I went to visit you as well, oh, I, wow. I was like, you tried to Jesus. show me that. And I was like, where? And you're like, there. And I'm like, where? And I'm looking, you know, like at normal building <laughs> level. And then I just crane upwards <laughs> and get a nosebleed by where Earl Grey is standing. You get an anime nosebleed because you're just so attracted to Earl Grey. It's true. I mean, he did fuck, yeah. and I can see why. So, I can't even uh, see him! <laughs> yeah, you can't, he looks you can't like. see why. You can't see him. So basically, um, quite literally, Earl Grey's statue is above all the buildings. Um, uh, this is no... This we is stand an extra king. Yeah. Um, so we, um, we locally call this just simply Monument. Uh, there is a metro line that goes through the city and it runs underneath him. Uh, beside him is the shopping centre, Eldon Square. Uh, now, the statue itself has a very interesting history. It's been struck by lightning a few times. And oh, one of those, <laughs> Yeah, and one of those times uh, the head uh, fell off and <laughs> landed on the back... <laughs> landed on the back of itself, looking up at the sky. Uh, oh, wow. Jesus. That's witchcraft, now, baby. Now, what do you think uh, the city done with this head? I, I don't know. Did they just, like, repair it like normal? No. No. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. Did they do the cool metal thing and replace the statue with, like, a goat skull? No. Um, oh, they, cool. they got the uh, broken head 
put it back on and kept it on there, and it was a symbol of resistance during World War II. <laughs> oh my god, that's PR done perfectly. Yeah, oh, we yeah. actually. Shit. Oh Jesus. Uh, we we actually uh, meant to uh, sever the statue head. Actually, it's um, a, a symbol for uh, something. So okay, um, like uh, some other things about the statue that I should mention. It's very commonplace for protests and counter protests to happen because of its central location. Um, you know, it's like it's very easy to like uh, say. Well, I mean, you can see it. I mean. That you call it monument because they know which one. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to miss. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's not just, you know, like, pesky lefties. Like, you even get, you know, like, sometimes religious people will use it. I've seen um, Muslim groups use it. I've seen, uh, seen far-right people use it. Um... Uh, far left groups uh, and stuff like that. So, like, it's just generally accepted. This is the, you know, this is like the protest statue, basically. Like, this statue is where all the protests meet every weekend. So, we've got all this information about Earl Grey, the statue, um, and why it was put on top of the racists. Okay. So, June 6th, 2020, Black Lives Matter protests. It's now, also, give me, give me a minute, give me a second here. It's also Sweden's National Day. Hell yeah. Woo. Sweden <laughs> Day. Mind, only me. Okay. It's not called an Independence Day, it's just our National Day. Oh, you, you have a day just for bigging yourselves up. That's yeah, nice. everyone. Yeah, everyone else had it like Independence Day. We we also wanted a day for ourselves, so we just made a day because Denmark had one and Norway had one, and we wanted one too. That's such a Sweden thing to do. Yeah, it is. So, um, the Black Lives Matter protests gather, like, uh, you know, not like too close to the statue. They kind of like give space for like you know people to you know like move about and see. And they were practicing social distancing rules or wearing masks and stuff like that, you know. Very, like, by all accounts, very reasonable conduct, given the context and stuff. And then, the defenders of Newcastle <laughs> set oh, up boy. a counter-protest. Fucking LARPers. Yes, fucking LARPers. Um, which uh, is on a British naval flag. And it's just got the words Defenders of Newcastle on it. Or just written um, in Byro or something. Um, obviously, the Black Lives Matter protest was organised with the police's, you know, thing. And I'm not 100% sure on the legality of uh, the All Lives Matter crowd. Um, but they were there. And a lot of them weren't wearing face masks. And a lot of them were um, making the situation very tense. Yeah, they were like, they, they, you know, the type of type of guy, yeah, sure. you know, baldy head, gammon expression, <laughs> very, just very excitable, very yeah. angry. Now, I don't have any timestamps for this, so I'm just trying to put it in an order that makes sense. So, 
the police then deploy five horses. <laughs> oh, it's the no. horses. This the horses? <laughs> yeah, the horses. Oh. Uh, so these five horses include, um, hang on, I think there's like two brown ones, one black one, and two white ones. Do we know their names? I want to know the horses' names. I don't know their names. Uh, I'm sorry. Can't believe done this. You let every horse girl down. Oh dear. All past and future horse girls have been let down. Okay, we'll call we'll call one Dobbin, yeah. the other one like Pinky, and the other one. <laughs> one, one is Boston. One is Wheat. The last one is Jack. Okay, we've named them. <laughs> Go on, Alice. Okay. So, they set up, like, uh, towards the fascists. Like, basically, the police set up, like, a line formation, like, 1700 style, to protect the uh, Black Lives Matter protests. And um, then, a man walking by, a man walking by, I nearly said pie, a man walking by with a can of Stella Antoine, Sorry, a box of Stella Artois. A box of Stella Artois? Wait, what the fuck is Stella Artois? Stella Artois, it's, it's a, a... It's a beer. Oh, sure, sure. So, guy walks past, throws, throws a can of Stella Artois at the police. Now, this man... Uh, interestingly about him, he's wearing, like, baggy stuff. Look, uh, he was... He was just trying to do the Pepsi commercial thing. He was just trying to go up and offer them a cold beverage to establish peace and partying and good vibes. Yeah. It's the Geordie version. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking, yeah, that's a fucking Stella. Yeah. So um, the defenders of Newcastle start throwing smoke flares and bottles. Wait, how the fuck do they get smoke flares? How, how wait, how did they get smoke flares? What the... A lot of the people defending the statues is proven in London are ex-army. So... Uh, oh. Mm. Well. Yeah. Well done. Um, and obviously in between all this, uh, what they're chanting, by the way, is um, in a like football chant, they're saying, you're not English, you're not English. Like, like that, basically. And all lives matter. Uh, so, you know, like, on, um, on the, you know, like, uh, racism scale, we're, like, if the scale is at 10, they're, like, at 12. Uh, so, um, so the riot police are deployed, and they set up a formation, and basically, uh, tensions escalate, uh, police violence occurs, 11 people are arrested. But one of them is unlawful. Oh. Oh, yes. So, there was a witness, a uh, person of colour who was there, like, to observe. Um, okay, I should probably explain something about uh, protests in the United Kingdom. Um, although nobody trusts them, there is a, uh, there's a special police type of unit that is deployed called a police liaison. And this is basically meant to act as a lines of communication between protesters and police. Sure. They're distinguishedly known uh, in like crowd by the light blue 
visibility jackets and have the word police liaison written on the back. So um, it's not like they didn't have an opportunity to air their grievances with the police in a polite, civil manner, in an honourable manner. An honourable manner. Yeah, that just, you know, I must say, this this does seem, I mean, if they start, like, chucking smoke bombs, I would say that, uh, you know, that that pretty much ends all peaceful negotiations, to be honest, on either side. It's like, if you're bringing artillery to a protest, it's generally not a good sign. That so, you're... um, this protester, uh, was arrested, and his friends got followed from Biker, which is, like, a town in the city of Newcastle. And this uh, arrest was made, like, relatively recently. Uh, so, basically, this uh, individual, uh, who we're going to name John Smith. Uh, mm -hmm. John Smith uh, approached the police as... Um, a witness, because they were calling out for witnesses. Because, like, you know, the fascists, like, did, you know, a unnecessary escalation of violence. Um, As yeah, you do. They actually got people, like, hurt and stuff. Oh, the fascists threw a bottle at the horse, by the way. No! That's, some crimes cannot not be just, forgiven. Not my favourite of the horses. Um... So basically, they were calling for witnesses to try and, you know, like, arrest, like, people who were... Presumably the people who brought fucking smoke flares and tossed, like, glass bottles at police. And frightening the horses, the bastards. Yeah. One bottle was thrown first, and then a second one was. The second one is when they started to, like, you know, arrest people. So basically, friend there goes driving to... The police station, and then uh, some police uh, arrest him to check for his insurance. Oh no, this is not good. So, I mean, they wouldn't need to like. I, I mean, that's not a thing in our country. That's just not a thing they should be asking. Are you sure? Like that is just immediate. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. Yeah. So, um, I'm, yeah. This is so, shifty. This, uh, so John Smith gets arrested, and then I'll just call him Jack. Jack films this on his phone. Uh, John Smith basically, you know, um, puts his hands up and stuff, and is like, you know, complying with police, and just, you know, I'm not giving like sufficient resistance to be, you know, beat up or whatever. So um, Jack goes. Uh, gets his other friend, and then they uh, go to, like, uh, check out what's happening. Now, uh, the two police officers that walk out the building are the same ones who arrested John. And they are sneering. Oh, no. So Jack and his friend leave. And then, like, uh, they just, you know, start to head back to Biker. And then they're being followed. Is it by the police? Yes. Same people? Yes. And basically, um, they're arrested again. 
and this this only happened like you know a few days ago i'm gonna say like three days ago uh that being like the 22nd or the 21st uh and this was after the second protest by the way uh which they were you know also going to be heading to so yeah uh anyway all cops are bastards even the british ones all coppers are bastards yeah all bobbies are bastards hey bab hey bab baby yeah uh i think that's my segment done Oh, actually, wait, no, uh, I got another, like, thing to add as well. So right, I met, well. One, I met, I was meeting with my friend in town, and we went to Saint, the St. George's uh, statue, like, presumably because there wasn't going to be, like, a lot of protests there, uh, especially since, like, it's a, it's like a, a greeny kind of area, and generally, like, the statue itself is more associated with those who have fallen in all wars. So it's, you know, like, nobody's going to be, like, you know, protesting to have it down. Anyway, there were three buff dudes trying to stare everyone down, and uh, they deployed five police officers to defend the statue. Uh, like, this is what gets me about the statue discourse. Like, it's just become a thing where, you know, thugs go and, like, just just glower at people from statues which nobody is going to hurt no one cares like there's just an excuse yeah. for them to go in public and like say oh you better not touch this statue and like you know and and just you need to respect our authority They're like all right you know and it's like a fucking paddington bear statue you know it's like it has no relation to anything that black lives matter is talking about or anything related to what we're talking about with edward colston like it's just a show of yeah. power against you know it's just a show of white supremacy basically also can we just like briefly talk about like this uh right-wing fear of the like earl gray statue being toppled I think um, it's now the statue is quite high up in the sky so the likelihood of it being toppled down basically like it's near zero. Oh, they're gonna need like a hundred people climbing up the base of that with sauce and standing around sawing at it. Ah, and then it's gonna well, you see, what'll happen? What'll happen is is that George Soros is gonna lend us a crane and we'll go up there uh, and then we'll remove it. Yeah. So um No, we remove the pillar as well. The pillar is coming down and it's coming down violently. There is a way to climb up the statue uh, from the inside. Uh, there's like Ooh, a blue little door, secrets, um, secrets. but like you need a key. Um, We're gonna get that key. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, this has been my uh, collage of events that I've managed to piece together of that the events of that day. Yeah. So that is it for this episode of the Lotron Back Year podcast. Alice, you want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Rebel Gender. And Alex? Hi, I'm Alex, and you can find me at Obscuracom, just, and in real life, just encased in bees, because they won't leave me alone. <laughs> Alright, and you can find me at bewildered underscore V on Twitter, or doing anti-wasp action. So, thank you very much for tuning into this episode. 
And if you enjoyed it, please do rate, comment, and subscribe. You can also tune in to see us play some Dungeons and Dragons on Saturdays at the Communes and Comrades YouTube channel, if that's something you're interested in. Until next time, folks, have a good one. Oh, I had a person who, um, like... Fuck's sake, I've been spending the entire- on out there? Best do you guys have a car chase going on? Stop. That's it. I'd like to introduce uh, our guest on the podcast, the fucking Popo of Newcastle. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the Tiny Weir Police uh, of West Newcastle. Um, thank you for interrupting the podcast. Through multiple times when I tried to give a semi-reasonable view of the events that involved you. Fuck you. I'm calling to a pro in action. <laughs>